records Smell the cover, read all the verses Tell me about your favorites on vinyl and vision Hello folks, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. Here we are with episode 67. We are just banging through these this year. Today's very special guest is Alice Janesse. Alice is a wonderful person. Uh, it's actually really an honor and pleasure for me to get to know her a little bit better and to speak with her today on the show uh, about a number of things, including her, you know, her, a little bit of her musical history, uh, what she's currently working on, this band of stars, which what you're currently listening to is the self-titled track of stars off of their uh, new five-song EP release entitled Tuesdays. At the end of the show, we're going to be playing an, another portion of the other single off of that uh, album, Dear Eyes. Now, Alice was great. Uh, I, I got to say that we just hit it off immediately. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and... Um, we had a great time, I think, and I think that that's evident, and I hope you enjoy it, too. Uh, of course, the record that we talked about the, this evening is uh, David Bowie's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, which, what a great record. I mean, it's evergreen, it's ever-present in my life, I've known it for a long time, and so is Alice, and um, it was a great opportunity to get to know her through that record. And talking about it is one I've wanted to cover for a very long time. So, uh, not to get off topic, of course, with about Alice, I want, I want to speak all about her, of course, and I want you to listen to the show and find out more about her. Um, but there are a few things happening. First of all, April 23rd is coming right up. It's on. It's this weekend coming, a few days away. Uh, that is Record Store Day, folks. Um, now, Alice has her album coming out on that same day. It is not a official Record Store Day release, unfortunately. But... Ben Vaughn, the last guest from our last episode, does have an album coming out on Record Store Day uh, exclusively, The World of Ben Vaughn. Um, so I encourage you, please, reminding you folks, please go out there and go find it. I will be out there in the trenches finding it myself. Let's not forget this. April 24th, the following, the next day, Alice will be performing uh, in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, we talk about this in the show as far as the details are concerned, but it's going to be an acoustic set. Um, basically an introduction to Of Stars. They'll probably be playing the, uh, the five songs that they're releasing, as well as playing a couple of solo sets, solo acoustic sets, Alice herself, and then their, her partner Pony, who is uh, part of the band, will also be playing a set. So if you can do that, links will be provided. Uh, the next weekend, April 30th, uh, I am going to be participating as a vendor, selling my records at the Burlesque and Roll show at the Dusk in Providence. Um, awesome all day long show. Tons of bands, tons of burlesque dancers. It's going to be insane. The last one on Halloween was amazing. So we hope that this one will be just as good, if not even better. So if you can make that, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, here at uh, Violent Vision, we ask that you please do all the things you do with the internet for this show. Please do the liking, sharing, subscribing, commenting, rating, reviewing, and anything else that ends in ING that you can think of. We would appreciate it very much and uh, enjoy. Thank you. Nice. 
are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good, good. Uh, thanks for coming and doing this. Yeah, it is awesome. It's awesome to be here. <laughs> it's slightly terrifying, but also pretty great. Slightly terrifying. Why? Why would you be so terrified? <laughs> I don't know. I'm always afraid of interviews. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I, I, I promise to be gentle. I mean, uh, Thank you. I appreciate um, it. the, the premise of, of this is to uh, discuss a record that's important to you. Um, and you chose David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. I did. Yeah. See, so just, I'm just throwing that out there now only because, uh, it's possible that this could get a little deep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just because just because of the content of the music. I mean, like obviously you you know you you like this music. I and I love this. I've kind of grown up with this album as well, so I'm very familiar with it. And it is it's a kind of a heavy record, you know. It is. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Um, it's a to me. I feel like it's a really emotional record, and and I feel like it's such a it's an incredible journey. And I know it's supposed to be about one thing, but you know, it, it makes me wonder about, uh, you know, all of the things that Bowie might've been going through in his life to be able to write that kind of music. Um, right. And, and I feel like it's stuff that I tap into as, I mean, not that I'm a genius in that way, but I, I understand the emotions that, that are, I feel I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Sure. That sure. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. And we're, we'll get into it. I mean, I'll, I've, I've done a bunch of research. I've done the best that I can to kind of like figure out more about the history and kind of where, where Bowie was at this time in, in his career and so forth. And, and, you know, and I, I read into things too, and I kind of play with it a little bit. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Ah, you're about 10 steps ahead of me because I have not done a whole lot of research, but That's okay. I've listened a lot, um, you know, recently. So. Yeah. No, don't worry. You, you don't have to do anything like you're, you just showing up and like being a fan is all you really need to do. Okay, right on. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to have you on, and I'm happy to to discuss with you uh, the the latest project that you're working on uh, of Stars, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, of Stars started as a really as just a writing challenge, uh, like a little writing project in my living room with a a friend that I met through my brother. Um, We've become very close over the years. Um, And it, and it, I honestly, I just needed to psychic TV was slowing down because Jen Genesis had a diagnosis of leukemia. Um, And, you know, so we weren't really writing as much and I need to create music. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it brings me, I want to say it brings me joy and happiness, but it 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 helps me to to stay stable as a human being. Sure, something that I really need to do. Um, and I feel like if I'm because of the things that were happening in my life and had happened in the last you know five to ten years, I tend to write sad music. Um, and I was hoping that writing with a partner would help. Uh, and I, and now I think we still write some sad music, but not always. <laughs> At yeah, least we yeah. can be sad together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've heard uh, the two songs that have been released so far. Um, what is it? The the self titled of stars song, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then and, uh, Dear Eyes. Correct. Yeah. Sure. 
And and so you're releasing an EP, correct? It's only going to be five songs? It is, yeah. And that goes by the name of Tuesdays. Yes, because we meet on Tuesdays to write. And it just felt like, you know, I sort of feel like this is an intimate glimpse into the world that we've been living in, uh, especially, you know, over the last few years during the pandemic, especially, you know, the fact that Pony and I could get together every Tuesday to write or even just to chat was really important Hmm. um, because, you know, everybody had to socially distance and isolate themselves and, um, I don't mind being alone. I can be very introverted. Um, but what I realized, it's so funny because I'm like, I love spending time by myself. After two weeks of spending time completely alone, I was like, yeah, I actually really like to go out once in a while. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, five days off and two days on would work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were we were just rehearsing earlier. So I've been singing and my voice is a little shot. But Oh, okay. Yeah, you have a, a few things coming up. I mean, so so the record itself is coming out on the 23rd, correct? Yep, that is correct. April 23rd. 23rd. And then you have yes. a show on the 24th, is it? Yes. Uh, cool. Just, you know, we're just doing that. Uh, we're doing an acoustic version. Um, so basically, it's... Tony and I, neither of us are guitar players. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I'm a terrible guitar player. I'm a bass player. That's and I love playing bass. And, right. Um, Funny is a plays piano and and loves playing piano, um, and he's great at it. And we're we've we've been writing on guitars for some weird reason. Um, so we're gonna play like we write in the living room on yeah. the twenty fourth. Oh, so cool. we're just gonna play that way. Yeah. So it'll be a real intimate glimpse of you know what we do in our process. Um, right. We haven't gotten together to play or even write since we finished the recording i mean we get together every week but now it's like doing more business than um you know album packaging and the doing photo shoots and doing some press and you know the stuff that you have to do to support the music um Mm -hmm. you know which when i was in psychic tv there were other people doing a lot of that and oh right um, (laughs) so yeah now, now you're kind of the leader, right? I mean, I, we're together pretty much yeah. as partners, Pony and I. I mean, not together like partners in that way, but right, not right. romantically. But yeah, we're we're very much a, a team in this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it's fifty-fifty. You're both making decisions together and all that stuff. Yeah, we're. I mean, we literally write words together, and and I think sometimes the lyrics are strange because they're they're coming from two different people um Mm. and i do think it works yeah i'll come up with a line and then he'll come up with a line that follows and i'm on one song i can't remember which one it was um we we did cut-ups which was funny just like just wrote a bunch of words and we cut everything up and threw them on the table and you know pick things out and which which is you know that it's a process david bowie has used and i know it's a process that uh, Genesis and Psychic TV has used in the past too. So it's just fun to do that as a um, sort of as an exercise, you know, sort of let, let's see where this would go if we just, yeah, you know, let go of that control, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very much a uh, kind of a let the chips fall where they may type thing. And it's kind of, yeah, yeah. it can be inspiring to have some kind of outside force kind of 
giving you what to work with and just, then you just do your best to kind of, you know, work that into the music somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very interesting. So uh, you were saying how you have to make decisions for like packaging and stuff like that now, um, you know, for the record that's coming out. It, it's going to be available in a vinyl format, right? It is. Um, as everybody is well aware in this industry, vinyl is very, very backed up. Um, we did order our vinyl back in November after our masters were completed. Um, we don't know yet when it's expected to come out. We were hoping sometime in September. Um, so, and we'll do a pre-sale, but I don't even have any images to put out the packaging. I mean, if the packaging is fully done, obviously, but I need to, we need to get all of that from the record. Um, plant so that have, we can, you, have you gotten test pressings yet haven't even gotten a test pressing yet Oof, wow yeah okay yeah well it's way backed up yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's horrible i'm like well maybe it's going to be 2023 but, but i you know whatever it is what it is you know what i mean yeah. i have other things to worry about that are more important than you know right right the vinyl yeah. will come out when it comes out yeah and i think that people will be understanding and and be patient like i know there's this one band I just bought, I just ordered their record and it's, they have no idea when it's coming. Like it's very possible that it will come in 2023, but yeah, I've already, I mean, I've already ordered it. I give them my money, you know, <laughs> so it'll show up when it shows up and that's fine. You know, um, I get the digital download for the meantime, you know, like off Bandcamp, so I can listen to the music. But, uh, but yeah, as far as like the physical format, it's going to be, it, it'll be what it'll be. You know, I think people will, will be understanding. It's fine. Yeah. I hope so. But so, so what about the packaging? Is there anything special about the, the way that it's going to be presented or? Um, well, you know, we did this weird, like fold up kind of thing. So it's, it's a, it's a really light, yeah, it's, but it's it, not quite a gatefold. It only goes like part of the way up okay. on the other side. Uh, and we have a, I, we have a really good friend, uh, photographer, Sarah Statmiller. Um, so she, and she works with the four by six format, like old fashioned cameras with film um so she took these very like um i think striking images of us uh we live close to the ocean so we went near the ocean it was sort of a cloudy day so it's very moody Mm. um okay yeah so i i think it's it's very artistically if i might use that i don't know that's a weird word (laughs) to use but I mean, I think it's beautiful. It's all black and white, and the album itself will be a translucent. The vinyl will be translucent red, so there will be some color, but not in the packaging itself. So, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's always a a, a nice feature to have when you're pressing vinyl is to have it be something kind of colorful. Yeah, we get to do a lyric sheet and all of that because I love, you know, I have like I have my like my vinyl lyrics. I love being able to read people's lyrics because hmm. you know how often do you hear a lyric and you know you're completely off right. <laughs> on base with it I, I do it all the time <laughs> right well and it's part of the process now I mean like you know so I, I I take it you're a vinyl music fan I mean I I always have been I don't have very much vinyl anymore and I I sort of there's a part of me that doesn't want to buy more, but Psychic TV released most of our uh, music on vinyl. Mm. Um, and, I, and I've never gotten rid of my turntable in all of the years that I've had it. Um, yeah, yeah I, do, I like it. I love the way vinyl sounds. I love the warmth and I don't mind the crackles and the pops and, right. you know, I like it. And it's yeah. also that process where, you know, you take out that 
that sleeve or that you know insert that whatever has the lyrics on it or whatever artwork and you sit with it and you kind of digest all of it at at, at once you know yeah i mean i remember being a young a younger woman a girl or a teenager and you know just holding the packaging and flipping it over and like you know you're just sort of you know you're you're eating it all up right you're digesting all of it there's so much material and you know the fact that you have like this 12 by 12 square of art you know I I think it's incredible I mean my albums look like crap I did you know obviously I'm not known how to take care of my (laughs) cats and animals that scratched on them and you know like oh yeah a lot of them are really old and I, I, I don't buy a lot of music anymore. And I've been listening to, I, you know, I buy friends music, obviously, and I, I buy things that I download, but it's just, we've become that world, right? Like I like to be able to listen to music in my car and I like to be able to listen to music when I'm, I'm a jeweler also. So I work in a studio and I, you can't carry it. Oh yeah. turntable you know so it's just sort of become easier to listen to music that way right yeah there's certain little practical applications you know and that's and that's totally fine but you know when you're when you're at home and you want to kind of take some time it's it's nice to to be able to do that yeah yeah for sure and not many people do that anyway because who has the time (laughs) i mean i i every now and again i just make that time because i want it i just want to do it you should you should like i'll spend you know, I don't know, I'm like, I'm going to carve out three hours today. I'm going to listen to these three or four records. And, you know, I, I sometimes I think, oh, I'm going to read a book when I'm doing it, but I can't focus on both. Oh, yeah. So it's sort of like one has to become background. <laughs> so it doesn't always work, but I can sketch stuff out when I do that. And I, I like that. Yeah, so. for sure. So speaking of, uh, of, you know, being a kid and growing up with music, I mean, where did you grow up in New York? I grew up in Hoboken which is, oh, I don't Jersey. know if you, yeah, Jersey, a Jersey girl. Um, I grew up across the river from Manhattan, um, like literally between the Holland and the Lincoln tunnels. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was in New York city a lot, <laughs> you know, when, when we would, I'm not going to say this, my mom might listen. I'm very <laughs> old now, but she was still probably get mad. But like, if, if we were to skip school, we would be in the West village. Like oh, that, yeah. that, that was our skipping school, right? Like we had the path train, right in our backyard and you know we had a bus to Manhattan on the street that I grew up in so it was really easy to just go and hang out in the city all the time and I I feel really lucky about that um I I was you know born in the in the early 60s so I got to see a lot of like really cool music happening in Manhattan oh yeah I bet uh, at that time like which inspired me to play actually like everything's just sort of yeah i i um i would see this band called the bush tetras there was a band called esg that i I thought were incredible um and i you know seeing them play i i felt like yeah i i want to play bass too you know like i just sort of i knew i was something i wasn't you know i was still sort of forming mm. as a human i think even in my 20s uh no late teens early 20s i guess i probably started playing bass around 20 um oh, okay that i played you know other instruments it wasn't like i was new to music completely oh okay well what, what did you start off with <laughs> uh 
probably the first instrument I, I learned to play terribly was piano. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I, I, you know, I wasn't really into like being a classically, like I just wanted to play stuff and write stuff and not, I always wrote songs in my head. So, hmm. uh, and then my mom started taking guitar classes at like a night school program where around where her sister used to live in the suburbs of New Jersey. So I would take the ride with her and I would sit in the back of this class and, and I would just watch what everyone was doing and I would go home and I would do it myself. Hmm. Um, and that's how I learned to play guitar. And I, I, but I still, you know, I was never a good guitar player either. I can write on guitar, um, but the bass is really where I found my voice. Hmm. Um, that okay. really, I, maybe because I, I had taken a lot of dance and, you know, like seriously studied dance, like where you go and you dance and take classes for three or four hours, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think because it was so rhythmic and I already understood like the rhythm in my body, it sure. was what I connected with most. And it just made sense for me. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that does make sense, actually. Um, I'm a bass player, too, so oh, yeah. you're, you're in good company. <laughs> I, I can <laughs> understand your love for it. I mean, I, I don't. I guess I couldn't probably describe why I like the bass and why I, I've... I mean, I played it because my brother basically taught me how to play it. You know, <laughs> he, he wanted to start a band, and he was just like, well, you need to be the bass player because I play guitar, and he's going to play drums, and he's going to sing, so you're going to play bass. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, so it just kind of stuck, and, and I love it. You know? Yeah, I love it, too. I mean, I really love it. <laughs> it's my happy place. I bet, I bet. And so, yeah. like, when you were a kid growing up, I mean, prior to skipping school and, and you know, escaping off into the city, what, what were you listening to in the house? What was that like, music in the house? Uh, you know, I was listening to the music that my parents were listening to. So, you know, there was, like, uh, God, my mom was liking uh, Joan Baez, and my dad was listening to, like, Bob Dylan, there was Jim Croce, and then, um, but but also like my my dad worked at a, a camp for like Hoboken kids uh, as like a camp director, and we would have all these dance parties. So, uh, like I grew up listening to a lot of Motown music oh. there, and um, you know we would have these like camp dances, and uh, yeah, I feel like that was really my early. Um, the music I listened to most in my early years. And then as I got into high school, I started obviously listening to more, you know, rock kind of stuff. And, um, sure. you know, Zeppelin and Hendrix and all of that was sort of around. Um, and then, you know, I lived, there was a, a club in Hoboken called Maxwell's. Um, and I lived about a block and a half away. And Maxwell's got every touring band out there. Yeah. So, you know, like Soundgarden and Nirvana and like Replacements and Sonic Youth, well, Sonic Youth, obviously, like we all lived in right. the neighborhood also. But like, yeah, I just saw, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of bands, Mud Honey, Screaming Trees. I saw, like, I I can't even, honestly, I can't even tell you. Sure. I saw X at Maxwell's. I saw uh, The Fall. I, I mean, just like. And, you know, and that was really what made it easier for me because I felt like at that place in my life, I was like, oh, these 
they can all do it and I can do it. And, you know, and it just sort of became, uh, it became more real for me. You know, when you, when you see that, when you see that you can, when you can be in a room that size, right. It's not like you're going to see like, a huge gig. band that yeah like my friends would all go I wasn't allowed to go to the garden when I was young but my friends would all go see like you know Pink Floyd or you know Led Zeppelin or whoever like I, I wasn't my parents weren't allowing me to go it was a 15 minute train ride I could have snuck out but right. um I wasn't going to get home in time and I would have been in trouble so I, I just sure. wasn't gonna deal with that um well, you still get a you get a good learning experience from Maxwell's anyway. I mean that. That's... Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is that like we have this intimate setting, right? So right. the room holds maybe 200 people, um, and yeah. these shows were amazing. Right, like, and they're more intense, and they're more kind of like uh, um, being being so intimate. So like, yeah. you know, I mean, I've, I've spoken with a bunch of people now, especially you know older people that have been around when when like a lot of that really great influential stuff in the seventies and eighties was coming around, you know, some of the punk scene obviously is forming and, you know, that stuff was, was, I can only imagine was uh, like monumental, like to, yeah. to a young person watching it, you know, participating. Yeah. yeah it was incredible. I mean, I remember REM, uh, <laughs> I think it was one of the first times they were at Maxwell's and I was standing on the, the stoop at my mom's house and they're like, Hey, do you know how to get to Maxwell's? And I just laughed. Because they, they were literally a block away <laughs> and they were heading in the right direction. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a block away. And then I went out that night and I saw them and then they were sort of teasing me all night about it. Like, I guess, you know, one of them must have remembered. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It was just sort of a funny thing, but yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. um, so tell me about, um, you know, speaking of like the big seventies rock explosion, um, tell me about, uh, you know, your introduction to Bowie. I don't know if at first I saw him on TV when I was okay. young and I don't, I cannot remember exactly what it was that sure. um, drew me to him. Um, it it might've been visual and it definitely was, you know, an oral thing. Like I, but yeah, the earlier Bowie, I was a super fan. Yeah. Um, so you don't remember what the first thing was that you heard maybe? I really don't. It's it's kind of funny. Like I can't I can't remember. I huh. I don't I don't know what it was. Okay. Well, how about this how about this record? Like what was your experience with this record? I think this record I I think I attached myself this, to this record later on. I think Okay. um you know, obviously Suffragette City is an amazing song. So, you know, earlier on, I would have attached myself to that. But a song like Five Years, I think I had to grow up a little bit more oh, to yeah. to understand it. And now it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. Bowie songs. Like I, it, it I, honestly, it, it almost every time it makes me want to cry. Like, oh, yeah. Pushing through the market square so many mothers sighing just oh, yeah. it does something to me um there's well i, I imagine I feel like as, as you got older but, and like you kind of like you know started to to become more more uh, of a sophisticated adult i can imagine yeah. how that song has kind of transformed in your mind and kind of like become more expansive because it is a pretty big song you know i mean yeah. to i i 
I, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get into it now. But I mean, oh, that sorry. song. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Um, that song specifically is, uh, from what I found out in the research, is, is essentially, if you want to put the the, the album into the, the the context of being a thematic record, because you know supposedly that's kind of what it is, which wasn't really the case. Bowie did not kind of create all of these songs with a with a uh, theme in mind. He just mm-hmm. kind of put them all together and was just like, after creating this character of Ziggy that he could perform through, he kind right. of like figured out, you know, the sequence of these songs and was just like, oh, I can kind of, this can kind of be a theme record if we just kind of put these in this order. And so Five Years is essentially um, the, uh, well, I don't know, I don't know who it is that's speaking, I don't because it's not Ziggy, but it's essentially someone that, they have they have announced that the earth is going to end in five years right so yeah i mean that's a pretty heavy concept for anybody to kind of try to tackle you know yeah and then how do you live those five years like what well exactly and, and, I the, mean... and the fact that he's screaming at the end like that's that's the part where i just felt like i start to melt like it's oh yeah like... it's very but powerful. when i hear when i hear that like you have to live that right mm-hmm. right that's not fake that's not like I'm performing this for a song. That's like, I, you know, some, I, I actually, uh, like it does remind me of uh, John Lennon's mother. And I know he was doing primal screen therapy at that point when he was, oh yeah, uh, when he was recording that um, piece of music. And when I listen to it, it does, it is reminiscent in that way where he is just screaming and i and i do feel like you have to get to a certain place in your life where you would i'm too afraid i i would be too afraid to go there oh really yeah i i think it would take a lot for me to be able to like scream like that yeah to go that deep well i can i can relate because uh, I, as you can maybe tell, I'm a soft-spoken person. I really, yeah. <laughs> I don't like to raise my voice no matter what. So, like, even being at a show, I was at a show on Monday night, and like everyone else is like doing the hooting and hollering thing, you know, after every song. I'm just like, I just clap. Yeah, Very good. I love it. I get but it. I just, <laughs> I just don't <laughs> like to. I don't like that. I just don't like to be loud, you know. But yeah. um, but it's super powerful. I mean, the way that Bowie does it, and like you know, much like John Lennon. It's it's incredibly powerful and moving to to hear uh, have it have it being executed like that and I mean sometimes I wish I could do that as far as performing is concerned but um I, yeah I don't I'm I'm a little meek too so yeah my bass yells really loud <laughs> there you go yeah you can do it with other things right yeah yeah exactly. All right. Well, uh, considering we're kind of like already talking about the record, maybe we'll just go ahead and get into the record now, and okay. then we'll we'll go back to to speaking about of stars and your new record that's coming yeah, out. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. That's quite all right. You know, I mean, very, we were talking about it, so <laughs> very free here. We can do whatever we want. All right. Right on. So, um, so five years. You know, we we just talked about that one, um, and actually, the question that I had for you, you kind of actually already brought up, is just like if you if you were you know told that the earth was going to end in five years what would you do with those five years what do you think you could would end up doing with yourself i write more music and then i would i guess i would go to places that i've never been to Mm. that i'd want to go to again like yeah i've never been to machu picchu i'd probably go there oh that's cool i go to egypt and see the pyramids i mean that's 
maybe find some answers in those places that you go to. Yeah, perhaps so. I mean, I'm also, you know, I'm not really afraid of, of, you know, I can say this because I'm not faced with any sort of terminal illness, Mm -hmm. but at this point I don't feel afraid of it. I've pretty much done all of the things I've wanted to do in my life. I mean, I want to do more. Sure. Saying anything, but I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm living a life that I want to live. So hmm. if I had five more years, those are the things I would do. I would, I'd probably travel more and I, w- I would see all my friends that I live in other countries, hang out with them for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah that sounds great. Um, so, I mean, is it, uh, is it just me or does it seem like that that's kind of a reality these days? It, see, it uh, seems like that, like, <laughs> like it, it could end in five years from now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem that outlandish. Like I, you know, I, I was, uh, obviously with, with the current status of the world and, you know, horrible wars happening and I'm going to use the word genocide because that's what I'm feel like I'm looking at, um, Mm. in the Ukraine, but in Ukraine, uh, and, and I visited both of those countries and it, and it sort of breaks my heart to watch this and, and to know that I'm, pretty much helpless to stop anything um yeah there's nothing i mean there's a lot of situations that are like that i mean you know it's hard to it's hard to think about it's hard to think about those things you know well i mean i'm bringing up one situation because it could end in a nuclear war um you know for all we know i mean you know not to get so dark but like i told you we're gonna go there this record record brings it out (laughs) we went we went right there um (laughs) But yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I don't need to hang out after that. Like, I don't need to go into a shelter. I'm just going to sit on the porch and have a glass of wine with some friends. And Yeah. And watch right. it all come down, man. Yeah. Maybe it'll be beautiful. You know, actually that, that's the one thing that, that's the thing I think maybe the one thing that would bring me some, some comfort was that at least I know we would all go together yeah because like the the fear of death thing is kind of like it's kind of like um mortifying only because i don't know when it's going to happen and i don't know who is going to be going first you know like if i think about my wife i'm like one of us is going to go first and it could possibly suck for me if you go uh but if i go and then it sucks for you and then i feel bad that you know you have to live without me Unless, of course, that makes her happy. I don't know. But, you know, fam- family <laughs> and stuff it. like that. I think about my brothers all the time. I'm like, oh, man, like, do I have to lose any of them? This sucks. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think. I, I know that death is harder for the living because I've lost enough. Um, I've lost a child. So that's hmm. enough to know that, that you know, it's it's hard for the living to deal yeah. with stuff like that. Um, right. Grief. That grief complicated hard. grief is, you know, it's pretty intense. And at my age, I've lost, you know, several friends and, and bandmates. So right. in bandmates to me, like my band, they're, they're people I feel like I've been married to. Oh um, yeah. Of course. You, know, you travel and you play music and you intimately connect. Right. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's an invisible thread that, um, that connects me to the people that I'm making music with. I think like, that's completely true. Yeah. Emotionally or that, you know, I don't even know what the word would be for that, but um yeah, some weird psychic 
place that you tap into that you all connect into somehow to make music like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it, it really is. I mean, it certainly is a relationship and, and yeah, yeah it's, it can definitely be profound for, for people. So um, speaking of uh, profound relationships, we should move on to the next song, Soul Love. I mean, immediately the the first part of that is, you know, a, a woman losing her brave son. Like I, right. I can barely listen to that song anymore. Like it's yeah. just, it has such a a real, like it's such a real meaning for me now. Um, and yeah, like musically, it's sort of a little bouncy, right? It is. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, but but when you read the lyrics, like, you know. She kneels before the grave, a brave son who gave his life, like, you know, right. like, and, and I forget the words exactly, but he, he and he gave his life uh, for the slogan. Yeah. And then, is, and then all I have is my love of love and love is not loving. Right. That's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, these, this, okay. First of all, I should mention this. Uh, so in the research that I've found about about Bowie I've been a lifelong fan I've loved him I've loved him in this record for a very very long time but I've never really read into his history so did you know that he was fairly unsuccessful up to the point of this record I did yeah so he had already what four records no three Five, records I out. think I think this is the fifth studio album yeah yeah and this is the one that finally broke him it's amazing yeah, I mean, like, and all of those songs, like th- those records, they have such great music on them. And to think that he wasn't successful, like he was really bootstrapped up to the yeah. point of this record, which was mind blowing to me when I was reading it. I was just like, really? Like, I could have sworn he was like already a famous rock star by the time he made this one. Yeah, I I don't think I knew all of that until I I did do a deep a deep dive at one point. So. I, yeah. I did learn some more of that and and I think it was was it Starman that like was the first big hit that he had yes I think that was, was the one okay. that kind of like you know really turned people's heads because uh they ended up performing that song for uh on top of the pops in England mm. so um that right, was really, I did read that somewhere yeah that was really the turning point because that that was the the introduction to the world you know to really the world stage you know but um, so soul love. Before we get to there, before we get to Starman, uh, you're right. The song is kind of more mellow. Uh, you know, if you're trying to keep to the theme of the record of like you know this alien invader coming in and kind of like you know uh, being the rock and roll messiah thing, um, it kind of comes in as a as a mellow washing over uh, of the trauma of realization that death is imminent. And um, so what I read is that there's actually like three kinds of loves that are described in this song you know so like the first verse is like what you said it was like this grieving mother so that's like this paternal love um the second is the second verse is like you know young teens in love so it's a romantic kind of fun love uh and then the third being more spiritual you know so uh of these three loves i mean which one brings you the most comfort well, spiritual love, I would have to say straight away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cause I feel like as you, I think as, as you know, I'm, I'm in my sixties at this point. So I feel like, you know, I've had that young love and, mm. um, yeah, I think spiritual is sort of where I'm at right now. Like that, you know, the, the, I think it's like that, that place that you can't see, but you know, exists that, and, and, and I think that also encompasses like a self-love sort of thing, which is a spiritual love in sure. a weird way. It sounds very yogi and I'm not to take but, care of yourself and, and yeah, yeah. take care of your mind in a, in a spiritual yeah. way, you know, and a belief in something that is bigger than yourself or, and yeah, I, I think that that's, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of the other kinds of that, you know, obviously I'm not going to have young teenage love again. <laughs> <laughs> certainly have that, but that's sure, not, sure. you know, that's not coming in, in my life at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it was great. Like I, I've, I've, I've loved having love. Yeah. I've had a lot of different kinds of love. It's been wonderful. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I do feel like that's where I reconnect to right now. Okay. Sounds good. So, uh, <laughs> okay. next song is Moon Age Daydream. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama, papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, that's right. I forgot about that. It's just such that, that hard come in. That's just that single oh. hit it's just a slap in the head yeah right yeah, like, bum, bum. like i love it yeah it's incredible um and the chorus of that song i think is so incredibly catchy oh yeah as well like you know I, I, all of it is i i mean i think it's like sorry i think it's like you know perfect in in a lot of ways like the you know there's catchy like riffs in that song like at the beginning really grabs me like straight away though yeah yeah i mean i think that this is i think this is fair to say this is bowie's most rock record it is yeah i agree with you i mean he really he really dug into the the whole you know uh underground new york rock scene like the you know punk to a degree i mean it wasn't really punk in the 70s but it was kind of coming up and so um, there's a little bit of that feel. Obviously, major inspirations were uh, the Velvet Underground, Iggy Pop. Yeah, um, I mean his friendship with Iggy Pop is like legendary, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that happened just prior to this record. Um, so, Moon Age Daydream. So, this song, uh, from what I learned, that this song has actually been recorded by Bowie prior to Ziggy, uh, with his former project, the Arnold Corns. I did not know that. Yeah, before before Bowie met the guys that made up the Spiders from Mars, he was in this kind of short-lived uh, kind of glam project called the Arnold Corns, based on uh, the name was based on Arnold Lane by by Pink Floyd. Okay, did so, not know this. Yeah, yeah. So he recorded this song and uh, what are this song? Hang on to yourself, I believe, was the other song that he recorded, and this was like okay. in '71. This record came out in 73, so he re-recorded these in 72 with the Spiders from Mars. Um, so is there any song uh, on your new record that has been repurposed? Uh, no, because Pony and I just started writing together um, four years ago, uh, and we decided to record, I guess in 2021, I decided that we should record, so... 
yeah, we nothing has been repurposed. Okay, because it's all brand new. We're we're still like a baby band. I yeah, mean, yeah. we literally. I I feel like I'm, you know, I have this, you know, decades long career, like four decades of being in multiple bands, and I feel like I'm starting over again. But I, I like, you know, I like it. I'm I'm glad that I still get to do what I. I'm grateful that I'm still able to do this. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's good nice. too. It's good music. I mean, you know, decade, you. decades of work, you know, de- that's, that's all stuff that's, that's kind of led you up to this point. So even though, you know, of stars is a new band, a uh, new project, whatever you want to, however you want to call it, um, you still have all of your experience behind it. And then, you know, and it shows through in the music because it's, it's good, like professional music you know it's a great sound quality i mean there's definitely the the hooks in there there's like you know it's it's more of a pop music first and foremost i mean like i I don't i don't know what your how you feel about like your audience i mean do they kind of gravitate more towards the psychic tv thing which is obviously a very avant-garde kind of industrial type of band whereas like this is very different than that i mean psychic tv at the end genesis actually wanted psychic tv to be to go more in a psychedelic direction and, and psychic TV also was very pop. I don't think that we were very, um, in the years that I was in the band, I don't feel like we were terribly industrial sounding. That was more of Robin mm. Gristle's, um, genre of music, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously I also wrote with psychic TV. What's going on out there? Um, no the world's ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have a glass of wine. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the audience is going to be. I just sort of jumped in like this, the music, when I write, I write very honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think about it. I don't think, I don't sit down and think I'm going to write a song or I'm going to write this song. I just sort of, you know, let it come out. It's, it's this weird, um, it's a visit from the muse yeah i mean i i just sort of feel like something comes in through my head and out my stomach and and then that's what happens and the words come when the words come and i sometimes i write a song completely from start to finish in my head before i even sit down and then and then there are moments where i realize that i, I don't know how to play some of the chords <laughs> it's and I have to change it so that I can actually play it because I, I only know like first position chords. I'm not good at playing bar chords. And it's, you know, mm. when you're a bass player for so many years of your life, like I, I haven't had to learn that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little limiting, but, uh, you know, whatever. You'll pick it up as you keep on working yeah. on it. So you yeah. write primarily on guitar. We do. Yeah. One and I both. And neither of us are guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> It's a real challenge. <laughs> well, you're pulling it off. You're, you're doing Thanks. you're doing great work. Well, I didn't play guitar at all on the recording. That's all Jeff Burner, um, who was the guitar player of Psychic TV, and he actually I wrote the bass parts. Also, but he played the bass parts as well. Just to, it was just easier for him to be able to do it as overdubs because he has a studio at his house as well, and we were in the midst of a pandemic when we were recording so we were just trying to get it done and do it within a budget um because the budget was my budget which is not huge um, right <laughs> there's also that right you know yeah, yeah i'm gonna play bass sure sure well i mean whatever your budget was i mean you 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 made do with it 
It's pretty good. Yeah. I had amazing um, musicians and producers and engineers and uh, you know that's honestly it's like a lot of the psychic TV team that right. I've worked with for years. So it did feel very much like going home to me. Right. We recorded that. Uh, we recorded this EP in the same studio that I've uh, recorded the last two psychic TV pieces of music. So it was, you know, it was like going home. It was, it was harder for Pony because he's never been in a studio mm-hmm. like this before. And to me, I was just like, I, I don't know. It literally was just like going, you know, back to your parents' house or. Yeah. Comfortable. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next song. Starman. about that it's like a perfect song yeah yeah for sure uh i mean we already kind of got into it a little bit you know this is uh so this was the um, with their performance of this song their their rising single on top of the pops bowie solidified his place in rock history so uh drummer mick woodman woodman z is quoted as saying uh it's the con it's the concept of hope that the song communicates that quote we are not alone and, quote, they contact the kids, not the adults, and kind of say, get on with it, quote, let the children boogie. Right. So uh, is that what this song brings to you still? Is that kind of like your, what you take away from it? I mean, yeah, it feel, this song actually feels hopeful hmm. in a weird way. Like if we're talking about the end of the world and then, what is it, one, two, three, four songs later or something? And then right. there's, there's hope because there's a star man waiting in the sky. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, um, you know, I guess sticking with the theme, I mean, that's, that's correct that um, this is kind of like uh, the moment where the, like the coming of the Messiah is acknowledged. So it's right. like, I don't know who the speaker is. I don't know like where, what point of view that is, but they're essentially saying the star man's going to come and he's actually, this is the person that we're looking to, to save us from our, our demise, you know? So it is, it is, uh, you know, kind of hopeful in a sense yeah and that's the spirit part of it right like we're sort of going back to that spirit like is the star man actually a star man is he an alien and what's an alien like is an alien this entity of spirits in the sky or is it an alien being you know he's a rock and roll alien yeah yeah right yeah Yeah. um so that uh about that that show that top of the pop show because like I was asking you about how, you know, when do you, like, what was your experience with this record? Like, when did you, when did you first experience it? And you said maybe on TV. And and I was thinking about this because this is actually, um, historically, that was the moment where, like, anyone that loves Bowie, that's when they saw him. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I didn't, I don't know if I saw that performance. I probably saw something on American Badstown or some, like, you know, U.S., like, programming. Right. Um, Do you think it may have been around this era? Because I mean, like the the whole Ziggy thing was only he only performed as Ziggy for a little less than two years. It might have been a little bit later. 
Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I did go back and, and play some catch up with Bowie because I, I think, you know, I was probably like 18 or 19 when it first kind of came across um, for me. Um, maybe a little younger, maybe I was 17 or 18. Hmm. I honestly, I, I just don't remember. <laughs> I sure, don't sure. know what it was. Like it was, you know, obviously I was, I, I was a fan. I just don't know how I got there. Right, right. Well, let me ask you this then, because um, so when approached with the idea of like, you know, doing this show and talking about a record that's important to you, why did you choose this record? I love that there's so many songs on this record that that I can relate to that I love. And that I go back to. I think that's why I chose this one. Like, I, I feel like it's that whole concept of going home again. Like I, I feel like I can put on these songs and they feel, they feel like they fit, Yeah, you know, like right. it's just a weird, like somehow they feel like they fit for me. Hmm. Um, you know, there are other, you know, I love other Bowie songs. I, like I love changes and I love heroes and um, I, I love fame. I love, there are so many songs that we could talk about, but this particular album and that particular period of of Bowie like I said I feel like I had to get a little bit into my years before I really appreciated it sure um for what it was like I might have brushed it off earlier on um you know it's funny because I that exact that exactly happened to me I remember like the I bought this record by mistake Oh, <laughs> wow. I, I was like, I was 18 years old. I was in high school. I was like a senior in high school. And I was hanging out with this young dude, uh, about like two years younger than me, who like didn't really know anything about music, but he was a drummer. And so I wanted to show off to him. I was just like, oh man, have you heard about Bowie? Because I was thinking in my mind, uh, Space Oddity. I had just heard it. I was just like, that song's amazing. We should go buy that record. So we go into friggin' Circuit City to go find CDs. <laughs> and... um so we go into Circuit City and then like I'm looking through the Bowie stuff and I don't and I, I don't see Space Oddity but I see this record I'm just like oh Ziggy Stardust and Spider Stars that must have Space Oddity on it because I didn't even know what the song was called I was just like I saw Starman I saw a Star I was just like oh it's got to be on this record Space. yeah <laughs> so you know I was just like oh man you got to hear this record all right let's go put this on in the car and we go put it on the car and I'm just like skipping through the songs it's like where is it where's that song like it's not on this and like you know only afterwards I start listening to the record like alone and I'm just like oh like okay it's okay it's a good it's a good record I mean it's not space oddity but it's a good record you know and I don't know when it was that it turned on me that I was just like that's a goddamn piece of art like that's like an amazing album but now I'm 42 and so now it's just like definitely I'm like I can I can definitely appreciate it way more than I did when I was a teenager yeah, I mean, I feel like we have to be sometimes emotionally um, mature enough to understand certain musics. Sure. I, I, you know, I feel that about a lot of music. That yeah. Maybe I just brushed away when I was younger, and now I'm like, wow, how did I not know that that was brilliance? Right? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So I was so into whatever it's, you know, at the time wasn't any, you know, I don't call any music stupid, but now I listen back and I'm like, why did I like that again? I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm glad I am now. And I, you know, for me, Bowie was a genius. Like I, you know, I went to the, I went to the um, 
of the exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum. And it was just, yeah, I mean, I cried. Oh, yeah. At, at you know, different points during it. And I wish that I had more time. Like you're timed on these visits, right? So you have to get out at a certain point. And like in a two hour uh-huh. time period, I could have spent, you know, three or four hours going through right. all of it. Um, just looking at his handwritten uh, notebooks of lyrics. And I was like, that's what I do. <laughs> you know, like I write stuff and I cross it out. And I write new stuff. And I like it just, just stuff like that, that, you know, made him more human because he always seemed so alien right. in a way. Oh yeah, right. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I missed that that uh, exhibit, and I really wish I, I could have gone there. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> oh well, maybe it they'll was. do something like it again in the future. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm sure they will when we get out of whatever next pandemic or. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of which, because uh, I was going to say, you know, well, maybe for an anniversary, this is celebrating its 50th anniversary. I did not know that. This year, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even, that didn't even, that didn't register for me. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. I was just like, holy crap. Yeah, so this came out when I was like 11. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't get into it until 98, so. Well, you weren't born, so it doesn't no, matter. <laughs> I was not. But that's what's great about music, and that's what's great about recording music, is that it's it's there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, once it's recorded, it's there. It's prosperity. Pros- yeah. Pros- prosperity. Prosperity. Yes. Not prosperity. Well, hopefully prosperity too. For for boy it was, yeah. Yeah, well hopefully for all of us who want some more. <laughs> yeah. I just want to be able to keep recording. That's that for me, like I, I just always want to be able to do what I do. And right. It's really all I need in my life. Yeah. Keep writing. I, I hear you. I would nothing's better than that, right? I mean it doesn't have yeah. to be fame and, and riches, but just just keep doing it. Just being able yeah. to keep doing it. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being able to keep doing it, uh, the next song is It Ain't Easy. When you climb to the top of the mountain, look out over the sea. Think about the place perhaps where a young man could be. Then jump that one always throws me. It's It doesn't belong on the record. It doesn't feel like it belongs not, on the record. Not really. I mean, it's 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 arguably the most misplaced song on this record. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I just like whenever it comes on, I'm like, wait, am I still listening to the same? <laughs> like, it just it. But, it's a cover. No, I know. Yeah. But, but it's still like I've heard the Three Dog Night version of it, but like I, it just sort of is like, I I don't know. It kind of sort of throws me yeah and it's not that i don't like it i do like it it just doesn't it doesn't speak to me in the way that the other songs do and i, I, I don't want to sound mean about when no, i say like no, i don't, I don't, think that that I don't like something but. it no it completely what you're saying completely makes sense because it, it yeah. does not belong on this record i mean like yeah. it doesn't fit in with the theme uh it, it has nothing to do with ziggy um i mean it's arguably just like a decent rock song and they just kind of threw it in i mean they had other options yeah but, um i don't i don't think there was any definitive reason why bowie like he never made any kind of official statement like why they decided to choose this song other you know from from the other ones that they could have possibly used but um i don't know it is what it is at this point 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it because I never really connected to it. And, right, and right. I, again, like I don't, I, I don't want to sound mean. No, I'm sure it meant something at the time because they did it. They put it on this incredible recording and somebody's probably going to come in and say that I, you don't know why well, they did that. It was very important to that piece of, the no. whole piece of whatever. But I don't, I don't yeah, think that that's I, true. I think if anyone wants to make that argument, it's just because they want to argue. Yeah. Also, you know, music is really personal, right? Like, sure. like you know, I don't expect people to like what I do. I I would like for people to like what I do because it would help to you know emotionally um, boost me to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't want to go to a I don't want to play a show where everybody's booing. Of course, not. <laughs> walks yeah. out. You know, obviously we're do I'm doing it because I want. I also would like to have a positive response. Um, so, you know, that's, I just, I don't like to say anything negative, but I don't connect to that song. That's quite all right. But, you know, you can not connect with a song. It's totally fine. Um, <laughs> so it ain't easy. It ain't easy being in a rock and roll band. That's for sure. Um, can you tell me about some of your hardest moments? Oh boy. Um, I was on tour. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, this is, this was a hard one. Um, we were on a tour with Iggy Pop as the headliner, actually. It was one of those big, like, you know, 900 bands on a tour kind of summer oh, tour okay. thing. Uh, yeah, festival tour. Uh, and I was in a band called Sex Pod at that point. And um, three days into the tour, our drummer quits on stage at a, like a, a you know, sort of shoot off show in New York City. And then we get this other drummer and we drive down a, Virginia and we play a show or, or North Carolina or I don't know somewhere it's like a long drive and got to get this guy on stage with us and you know we're playing and uh you know two weeks like and we carry on like we you know we're just really we're troopers we're gonna get this going and you know we're, we're doing what we have to do and we're playing all these shows and two weeks later our van breaks down that's <laughs> like we miss a show uh I think in Oklahoma City or something our van completely dies but while we were broken down under an overpass we were getting attacked by ticks as we were sitting outside yeah it was literally like it was like a god event I was like we're the reigning frogs like what what is going to happen next and if I didn't quit playing music then like I'm obviously in it for the long haul at this point but yeah we lost our van then that got left in Oklahoma. Uh, we ended up in a rental car with our gear on the trucks, the yeah. tour trucks. <laughs> like we we finished the tour out. Um, I kudos to the Reverend Horton Heat, who uh, at one point got us on their bus to get us to Texas oh, so wow. that we could get a rental car. Um, yeah. They took us from Oklahoma to Texas so we could get a rental car. And then luckily there were only three people in the band. So we had our guitars in the trunks and, you know, all of our amps were on the trucks and we finished that tour. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That's a rock and roll story. Sure is. Wow. You're, you were resilient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. And that's just, and that's just one. Wow. Okay. You've had oh, many, yeah, there's many so many. I don't want to bore you. I like, literally I could tell you a thousand stories, but that's just one. Yeah. That, well, that's a good one. A good choice. <laughs> All right, so so side two of the record, that's where we're at now. We're, uh, we start off with Lady Stardust. 
makeup on his face. You know what? This is going to be a weird thing to say, but sometimes it's like very Elton John mm -hmm. to me, this song. Like, and I, I don't, maybe it's the piano up top, maybe the way he just kind of bursts in. Yeah. In the, the top of those lyrics. Well, it's funny, actually, now that you said that, I remember specifically seeing Elton John mention how this was an influence to him. Okay, well, I did not know that, and I never read that, no, but I mean, that it, makes sense. It makes sense, yeah, no, I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Like I said, this record changed a lot of people's minds, you know, kind of yeah. really opened up some minds. Uh, that's funny. That's great. That's good to know. That's not off base. No, no, I mean, I think that that's, you know, pretty, pretty accurate, uh, pretty good observation that you made um so now as far as this song is concerned uh i mean it's a beautiful song it's a ballad-esque it's like certainly one of my favorites uh, on this song on this record you know I, I like the sad music for the most part I, I mean well i write a lot of sad music so i clearly am uh, very connected to sad music myself Me i think too. it's a, it's beautiful though i think it's you know i'm gonna use the word anthemic again because i feel like it's very like it's it's very big and it's very showy and right beautiful and prophetic balladesque um yeah. which seems to be from the standpoint of a close observer of this alluring alien which is uh somewhat androgynous also because i you know i it just this this song listening to this song specifically and listening to the lyrics in it um kind of like led me to think about uh your your former bandmate uh genesis um mm -hmm. and I was wondering if, like, you felt like there was some kind of connection there. Like, if you listen to this song, like, can you see a connection between the way they describe Lady Stardust and, and Genesis? I actually never made that connection, which is weird. And I feel like I really need to go back and listen to it again just oh, to, okay. to, like, to get that. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I could see that. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess I could see that. That's funny. I don't know why that wasn't apparent to me before. I, I don't know. I mean, it just kind of hit me. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I really don't know a lot about um, Genesis. Um, but uh, just like the way the kind of lyrics describe like this uh, animal grace on stage, you know, it's this, uh, I, f I forget the words now, but it's just like uh, people stare at the makeup on his face, laugh at his long, dark hair, his animal grace. Um, the boy in the bright blue jeans jumped up on the stage, and Lady start, and then I forget, I forget where it goes after that. Where is it? Uh, and Lady Stardust, what? I can't read. Sang his songs of darkness and dismay. There it is. Yeah. 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 But then it was like, then it was all right. The band was back together, right? Like that's right. so. That's interesting. Now I want to listen to that song again. Listen to it when we're done. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, immediately that wasn't where I went immediately with that okay. song, but I, I, you know, I can totally see it. Yeah, I guess I well, was. Can Can you tell me about Genesis? I mean, like, what was what were some of your experiences uh, sharing stages with uh, her? Right, is her is her? Uh, yeah, yeah, her. I mean, him by birth, but her. Right, uh, her. We, we began calling Jen her in early 2000s um when after she got breast implants and i can't remember the exact year that she did that but uh she and lady J, 
uh, Jen's wife uh, prior to her passing, to her dropping their body were cutting up their bodies to resemble one another because she, you know, the they're, they were moving toward that that combined pandrogyne, which is, oh, you know, yeah. the the third sex basically like it's a combined male and female um and it was really about breaking sex and breaking gender and what could be and um yeah it was it was it was something that you know I obviously was completely open to and I felt like really um honored to be able to be a part of that journey with them and to be trusted as friends with uh, in in their community and I got to watch like just how important Genesis as an artist and as a human being was to fans all over the world hmm. um, because she did you know she did break like she you know with Robin Gristle there was no real industrial music right they coined the term industrial music and then decided now I want to do this other thing and you know made this beautiful almost poppy and psychedelic music at one point and uh early on in psychic tv and then decided like ended up having to leave um england because scotland yard was raiding their home because of the temple of psychic individual or temple of psychic youth at that point they thought jen was a evil cult leader which, yeah. you know, I, I used to make fun of her all the time. I was like, you're the most evil man in Great Britain. And we would both giggle and, you know, it would be ridiculous because she was, you know, yes, I've seen parts of her when she was angry. And, you know, sometimes get, like when people are angry, it's scary, right? Like, sure. I don't like sure. being around people when they're angry. But mostly, um, Jen was really all about wanting to spread love and, and, um, yeah, just very open and loving human being. Yeah. Uh, being around her was pretty incredible. She's probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever known in my life. And it's a vast, vast wealth of knowledge. Like she would read a book a day. Like she just knew so much. Mm. It's amazing to be able to spend time with her. Yeah. Well, and so just in one more point, like what about on stage? What about like that, that, stage persona of theirs um uh, you know that's i don't know because i was on stage with her so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know i can't tell you i can't answer that question honestly because i've never seen the stage persona because i've always been next to her mm, okay. with that persona um yeah. and uh, you know she lit up it wasn't but i i with with genesis and i and i think you know, with a lot of musicians, she was really the same offstage as she was on stage. Like she is just a, a human being who chose to to look the way that she wanted to look. She she would tell me that when after she got her breast implants, she finally felt like she was in her angelic body. Um, I think it's really hard for people to to not feel like they fit in their bodies. That mm. that. I don't know what that would feel like because I've always, I've always felt like I fit in my body. I yeah. Never felt like, I mean, obviously, you know, we're all like, Oh, I want to lose weight or I want to do this or I wish I had this or I wish my hair was straight, you know, like whatever, like we all have that stupid little thing, but I, right. I never wished that I never felt like I was misgendered. 
Um, yeah. And I think that that is a, I really applaud people who can figure out what it is that they want to be and can do it and be happy in their lives. And um, Genesis was one of those people. So I, I felt really, um, I felt really proud of her yeah. a lot of the time too. It wasn't easy. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. To, to be her and, and, you know, and then to lose the love of her life, to lose Lady J. Hmm. 2009 was, you know, it was tragic. We had just been on tour and she passed maybe two weeks after we got home. And, you know, it was just, you were talking earlier, like about mortality. Like what if you lose your wife or what if, yeah. you know, she loses you? Like it's, I had to, we lost her. And Jen had to grieve that loss. And um, it's not something you bounce back from easily. Yeah, no, I can't imagine that you could. Yeah. Yeah, just becomes, you become somebody, you're the same, but but then you're different, you know? Right, you're missing something. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way I could actually put it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, you know, I, I definitely have to get more, get into the catalog more. I've listened, I've listened to some of the psychic TV stuff and I've listened to some of Robin Gristle stuff, but it's, yeah. I find it very difficult for me. You know, it's a very, some of it can be a little jarring. Yeah, it can. <laughs> yeah, but the, totally but the stuff can. you're on, like, cause I, I did listen to the later kind of uh, catalog and, you know, the stuff that you performed on. And you're right. I mean, there is, it's not as industrial. There is kind of more of like a kind of a, straightforward rock psychedelic thing happening yeah 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 so yeah i, I just gotta sit with it a little longer or not i mean <laughs> no I'm, I'm cool with it i i, I enjoy it you know I, I have a lot of friends that listen to a lot of different types of music like we were up in the car the other day i was going up to boston with my friend and you know chose a bunch of cds from a cd collection and picked out boredoms I was just like, I, I've heard of this band. I need to kind of hear them. He's just like, okay, well, this one's not their weirdest, but this one's good. I was just like, okay, yeah, let's try it out. <laughs> I don't know if I know that, but I'll have to Boredoms, check that out. Too. Yeah, weird, weird, like, I guess you can kind of call it noise rock, avant-garde oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I really don't know too much about them, but I gotta. it's one of those things I got to learn about. Okay. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to Star. Oh. Okay, so first of all, the second side of this record is a banger. Like, basically, I mean, minus Lady Stardust being a little ballady, just banger after banger on this side, really. Yeah, and it doesn't make me want to cry. Yes, much less, <laughs> much less potential for crying on yeah. this side. <laughs> Though there is some of it. It still gets there a little bit. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've always kind of seen this song as uh, Ziggy praying okay. in a way for rock star success. And, uh, and based on what I've read about and what I've shared with you about Bowie's career leading up to this point and his multiple failures, I'd say this was an open declaration for stardom. From what I've read about Bowie and uh, his manager at the time, um, DeFreeze, Tony DeFreeze, I believe his name was, um, they were, this is what they were gunning for. They were like, success, we need to get you to become the next Elvis Presley. You know, and that's why they went to RCA Records. Uh, Tony DeFreeze was notorious for being like a just ruthless manager 
and just like you know insisted on getting his way he actually at one point um gave david bowie like a a, some kind of like ledger just saying you have a million dollars like you have a million dollars you are now a millionaire and this is before he was successful (laughs) and so it was kind of like that willing him success like is this like you are a millionaire now so act like a millionaire and they hired him bodyguards and he had all like the the best things like he would travel in a limo everywhere um he you know he willed his success you know i don't think i knew about that yeah yeah it was just like i read that it's like that jim carrey writing himself a million dollar check thing it was just like I mean, I think that's pretty incredible. I, I, you know, I believe in that power of positivity and like projecting like the the positive um, truths for yourself. Sure, doesn't always work for me, but but <laughs> you know, but but in a lot of ways it has too. So yeah, yeah. Um, so so thinking about um, before you started actively making music, what was your perception of rock stardom, and did you want it? Um, no, I don't, I don't know that I did. I don't know that I thought that this was going to be what I was doing when I was that young. Like I was always writing, even, I think even like as a 12 or 13 year old, I was always writing something in my head, music, but I never really knew that it was something I could do. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think of where I grew up, like it was just Hoboken at that time was really a blue collar town. We had a Maxwell House coffee factory, the whole city smelled like coffee. Like everybody's, you know, people were going to work. My dad was a school teacher. My, you know, like it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't something that I really thought about. And also I have to say, like there weren't a lot of women mm. to look up. Like, you know, yes, amazing. There was Grace Slick and there was Hart back in those days. And I, you know, one or two others that I slipping my mind right now, but uh Janice Joplin and uh but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel as accessible hmm. to me as it did to guys until I got to be like 19 or 20. And then I just sort of, you know, maybe it was late for me to mature into, but once I realized that I wanted to really, maybe you don't choose to be a musician. Maybe it chooses you. Hmm. Um, and so maybe I didn't really think about being famous i just i just you just had fun playing music i just am it is what i am like i right like i am who i am you know right. now yeah i mean not i wouldn't be i don't imagine that i would become a rock and roll star now but you know like we were saying earlier i would love for somebody to put out the next record so that i don't have to dig so deep into pockets and right. you know work so like i take extra jobs so that i can make the kind of you know enough money to go into the studio and then you have no money again you have to start all over right. um you know it'd be nicer if, if if it didn't have to be that like it's been right. years since i've had a record deal right 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 well i mean that's always a possibility you know yeah Maybe. i'm not writing it out i mean i'm where's my million dollar check i'm gonna you write, gotta it, write it yourself yeah hiring my bodyguards tomorrow <laughs> it's that perception it's that like fake it till you make it really i mean it's yeah. it's very strange how how that can be because it's like like it's like perception is everything you know yeah. like you can be essentially like a nobody right but if 
and then let's just let's just put this in today's context. Okay, so now you know now we have computers, we have the internet, we have social medias. People have the ability to make their lives seem bigger than they are. And if you can make your life bigger than it is, than what it really is, to the perception of an audience, then you potentially have the ability to be that person. Right. You know, you fool everybody into thinking like I am this big deal. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, that social media is, makes it easier for people to, you know, you're not, you don't have to show your real life, right? You just show right. the best parts. Yeah. You know, if I showed the best parts of my life, like, wow, blow everybody away, you know? Right. But, you, you just share all the stories about being on tour with Iggy Pop and, uh, you know, riding yeah. around with Red Horn Heat. You're yeah. awesome. You're yeah. a rock star. You are already, you're already a rock star. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was on tour with Pink once too. So, I mean, it, you know, Whoa. like I, I've definitely done my share of being on the road and doing amazing things. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been not such a bad life, really. I mean, and then there's been tragedy. Of course. But I think that's the kind of thing that really, you know, I wouldn't write the songs that I write right now if I hadn't lived the life that I've lived. Right. So. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's all leading up to a point. You know, it's all, everything has kind of happens for a reason for sure all right well the next song is hang on to yourself yeah that one just kicks right in oh. and then like i know there's that isn't that the one where there's like a weird like between the the verses there's like a he takes this like weird breath where there's like air and silence and then it just jumps into the next lyric i think that's the one maybe yeah i I can't remember too well but um it's definitely one of the most exciting songs i mean i actually don't really even have anything about this song except that this is the epitome of rock and roll excess right i i mean i love the bass i love the bass on this song like it's so you know like it's so much fun, right? Like it's so, it's, 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 you know, bluesy and poppy and rock and jumpy and it makes you want to dance and, right. you know. Super exciting. Yeah. Super, super and, exciting. And like sure. the, and the content of the lyrics of this, I mean, like if, if we're thinking about this, like as the theme of like, you know, the rise and the fall of Ziggy and Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, this is the, the, the peak Ziggy where they're like debaucherous rock and roll excess. Like, I mean, they are, you know, praying to the light machine, all that stuff. There's like the um, talking about like the kind of like what, what I imagine will be groupies. You know, there's like the um, I don't have the lyrics of this in front of me, but um... well, she's a tongue twisting storm. She'll come to the show tonight, praying to the light machine. I mean, yeah, you know. And then the chorus, so come on, come on, we've really got a good thing going. Like it's you know, yeah, it's obviously yeah. a party. Yeah, yeah, some kind of a party going on there. This is this is full full tilt at this point. <laughs> yeah, and it only gets you know from here on out. It's just like mind blowing to me. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. So then there's the next song, Ziggy Stardust. Now, so kind of what we were just talking about with Hang On To Yourself kind of being the peak of excess, 
Um, oddly enough, like this is the title track of the record, if that's what you want to call it. You know, I mean, it's it's essentially about the character of Ziggy. Um, but uh, essentially, the song is documenting the fall of the of Ziggy and the Spiders of Mars at this point. You know, like this yeah, song is, but, is the decline. Right, but but is it? You know, because of his ego, right? Like he's making love with his ego, so he sucked up into his mind. Like, is that like? Did was it just like a self-destructive? Actually, I moment, think right? I think it's exactly that because with some of the research that I did, you know, I mean, some of the influences for the character of Ziggy uh, came from Iggy Pop, Lou Reed, uh, Vince Taylor, <clears throat> just to name a few. And uh, I think the Vince Taylor one was the most specific one. Uh, Lou Reed and Iggy Pop both at that time, like in 71, 72, were very deep into drug use and like yeah. just falling apart. Like yeah. they just, their their careers were literally slipping away from them. Um, and Vince Taylor, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Vince Taylor. I, I'm not very familiar with Vince yeah, Taylor. Yeah, I wasn't either. He had this, he had a actually really successful career in Europe. Um, okay. And he had like one that major... He had like one major hit song, which I can't remember for the life of me right now. But uh, essentially, Bowie met this guy at some at a point where he was just literally like uh, schizophrenic, almost like he oh, he, he was really okay. really hard up, just kind of not making any sense. He really seemed far far gone, and he died shortly after. So okay. you know, so some of the influence of these guys on on Bowie to create this character of Ziggy. I mean, that that's essentially what he wanted to, to encapsulate was that, you know, it is possible that even if you are a rock superstar, that you can fall from grace and, and fall, uh, very, very hard and, and right. potentially, and potentially lose everything that you've worked for. So right. he was always very conscious of that. Like he always was very conscious to not lose sight of his, his success and, 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 you know, w- worked it to his, to his benefit, at all I mean, times. He did his, he did his share of. Oh, he yeah, he partied know. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did his share, but yeah, but, but he I never guess he fell off. You know, yeah, yeah he, never... he didn't. You're right, not in that way. No, no. He used it creatively. I would so, say. Yeah. So, um, if there's any, if there's one thing, because uh, considering we were talking about the. Uh, the influences uh, the on Bowie to create Ziggy. Uh, if there's one thing you could say you took from an influence, like from an artist as an influence, what would you say it would be? Oof. That, I, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I actually feel like I've been influenced by so many artists, sure. right? So I don't know what I would have taken. Like I, you know, I definitely think that, like, I've, you know, maybe I've learned some bass, like a Bootsy Collins kind of bass playing style at some points in my life. So mm-hmm. maybe I've taken from from that James era, James Brown era. Um, I know that, like, I was... I've been very influenced by some of the eighties music, like gang of four and, um, you know, bands like the Bush Tetras I've mentioned earlier. They're a New York band that I used to love. Um, they're still playing actually. Um, but 
you know, as a bass player, I definitely feel like I've been influenced influenced by other bass players. I don't know that I've really taken directly anything that I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the word. I definitely have been influenced. Sure. I mean, yeah, everyone I has, everyone, everyone is question. to a degree. Well, I didn't know if there's anything specific. I mean, like, cause, cause Bowie was like being very specific about these things. Like, so, so the influences for Ziggy was, um, there's a whole list of them. But to just to name a few was, you know, Iggy Pop, Lou Reed, Vince Taylor, uh, the legendary uh, Stardust Cowboy, uh, hence the name Ziggy Stardust, um, Stanley Kubrick and some of his movies, 2001 and A Clockwork Orange were massive uh, okay. influences. Uh, Andy, uh, Andy Warhol's uh, theatrical uh, thing called Pork. You familiar with, you remember that from I back in the 70s? So, yeah, I don't remember that one, but I, re- okay. I definitely have done a lot of. I've watched a bunch of Andy Warhol okay, yeah. movies, but I remember that one. It's funny. Yeah, well, it was like a off off Broadway uh, play production that yeah. they were doing, and it actually did tour in the UK very very briefly. Ah, it, yeah, it was that makes sense. It was insane from from what I hear. Um, so you know, so just things like that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that influence you to create what you create, but I didn't know if there was like something that sticks out in your mind. Not really for me. I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't, I, at this point in my life, I don't really write toward anything. I just write what's sort of coming out. And maybe, you know, maybe that would change. Maybe there is something that'll inspire me to write that I will directly write because I saw something that made me feel like I needed to do that. Sure. I, I think for me, I took all of the music that surrounded me in my whole life and just sort of worked with it you know when I started out I played with a pick and then I taught myself how to sort of slap and then I decided that I would play with fingers and you know now I can pretty much play whatever way I want to and it really just depends on what song I'm playing right right Um, what what feel do you try to go for yeah like is it you know if it's going to be like a loud hard rock song and like Ramones, like, and, 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 and I'm going to play with a pick, you know, but if it's something a little bit softer, I'm going to play with my fingers. Cause I, I, I have more, you know, and mm-hmm. I can just sort of it's a different fly around feel. the, yeah. You and know, you can fly you can, around the You can be more softer. muted. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah you have it's a little not more so much of an attack. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well then, uh, with that being said, we should move on to the next song, which is Suffragette City. What do you say about that song? Like, that's a masterpiece. It is. I mean, and it's just such a banger, like rock song. Um, this song oozes sex. It really does. Well, I mean, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, absolutely. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it absolutely oozes sex. It's, it's, it always makes me smile, though. Hmm. It just does. There's something about this song that no matter how many times have I heard this song in my lifetime and I still don't hate hearing it. Like, you know, you hear, you'll hear songs over and over in your life and you're, I'm so sick of this song. I've never gotten sick of hearing this song ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it it just like invokes so much good stuff. I mean, like 
debaucherous to a degree, sure, but that's also fun, too, to kind of think about or look back on, you know? I mean, um, but, uh, okay, so wait, so I want to analyze this song a little bit. And I okay. want you to help, I need you to help me out here, okay? Don't, don't, don't. All right, I'm don't in, get... let's go. I'm All jumping right. in. So, um, so though the definition of suffragette is uh, a woman seeking the right to vote through organized protest. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> in the early 20th century, this was used as an insult and implied a nasty woman. Yes, because women weren't supposed to have rights right. in those days. Supposed to be in the kitchen, making right. babies. In the kitchen? Well, that's that takes a little bit of talent. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I mean, I get it, and that's, you know, and obviously we've moved on from there, but um, so based on the context of the lyrics... Or have we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. A little bit. Not, not too much, unfortunately. Not enough. Just yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, inching with all of our, all these things that we need to change in our world, but um, so based on the context of the lyrics, I think this is where Ziggy is at his most debauched and uh, knee deep in groupies and the overindulgent sex life of uh, of rock superstardom. This is your choice to be as revealing or or not as you as you care, but this brings up something that's very kind of like something that's always I've always thought about as far as like you know the 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 rock world is concerned and like, you know, playing out, playing in bands and so forth. Cause, uh, cause I've done some independent, some small independent touring, uh, in my very limited time. Uh, and you know, in my very, I've had very limited experience with like road flings, but <laughs> I would like to know what the female perspective of that situation is like as a performer. Um, you know, it's there. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, I've, I've kind of heard from other women where it's just like, it's difficult like how different and or how hard is it for a woman compared to a man? You know, I think it's, I think that's everybody's personal experience. It, it, mm. it, a lot of, you know, I definitely have been in relationships, a lot of tours. And then I had a lot of tours where I wasn't. Um, it exists and it mm -hmm. existed for me. Like, I, you know, I could totally have had a fling. Here and there, I'm not saying I did, saying could have, maybe, right. maybe did, who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, like it, I think that it's a, I'm not going to say it's the same for women mm -hmm. and men, but I don't really know because I'm not a guy. Like I, I'm not, I, for me, I need, you know, even if it's like a, you need, it's not as, it's sexual, but I guess it's not the same kind of, we're very different um, right. as a species, right? So what I find sexy in a man, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit more intimate and not just like, you know, I need a girl to screw tonight with a right. someone she rated here, but, you know, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, I, I definitely have been around guys who, you know, will hook up with two or three women and in the right. night but like i just like i that's i not was not for me personally right, right. but so um, so with that but, being said i mean like what is that experience like like as as a witness to these things i mean like because like you know you're you're a witness as a woman a performer to these other guys that are gonna go ahead and hook up with other these, these random women which you know well let's just call them groupies yes you know? okay um band-aids band-aids <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i mean like 
is that it was that a difficult position for you to be in being in the band and then having to to deal with these guys going off and, and hooking up randomly no i mean, i don't really care what anybody does in the, in that like as long as everybody's consenting you know right. it doesn't bother me in any way like i i'm all for people being sexual and I, you know i can be very sexual as well like i i you know i love sex sex is amazing um you know this especially when it's good uh right <laughs> no really <laughs> no, i mean, I, I'm I, sorry, agree. But, I understand like, yeah yeah like I, you know i um yeah, it's a, it, I, I don't think it ever bothered me. And I think that, you know, even like if, like for groupies, if that is where you're being fulfilled and that makes you feel like, you know, your best self and like, go for it. I, I hmm. really don't, I don't really care. Like I, you know, with Genesis, um, you know, that it was never a thing for her. Like it was never a big she never really wanted that. Like she wanted an intimate relationship with somebody. She didn't want to have like a, a one night stand, um, you know, whereas some of the guys were, were totally cool with that. I could be totally cool with that from time to time. Um, sure. Cause but, it's like fulfilling a need, you know I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you just, let's, let's say you're on the road for a few weeks at a time. Right. And you're like, kind of feeling a little lonely, kind of feel a little, you know, yeah. little horny. Yeah, for like, sure. If someone's yeah. going to come and approach me, sure, why not, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard on a tour, but like for us, it was hard on a tour bus if, when we were touring on buses. But when we started doing like, you know, after after Lady J died and Jen was a little bit older also, we were flying and then, you know, being picked up and we would usually have a hotel. So then obviously it's easier if you have a hotel to, mm-hmm. you know, hang out with people. <laughs> right. Sort of makes it nicer um, yeah okay. the old wham bam thank you ma'am yeah <laughs> tail as old as time <laughs> exactly all right well let's yeah, move I on that song. Sorry. I, I love it too i really really do i mean it's such a great song um and then unfortunately leading into the last song rock and roll Oof. suicide oh this one kills me That's all you really need there, and I'm already crying. I'm already gonna. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then and then at the end, like the whole "You're wonderful," right. "You're not alone," "Let's turn on and be," "You're not alone," "Give me your hands," like "You're wonderful," hmm. just yeah. It's, it's that's that that one. Is, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's a lot to take um, in, and I think that's why you know that's I I also love this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this song has always has kind of like grown on me as far as like, it's always been like kind of this emotional connection that I've had with it just because it's just so, you know, overwhelmingly powerful. But then, you know, growing up, like, let's, I grew up in the 90s. So like, you know, I saw Kurt Cobain kill himself. Yeah. And then there's all these other rock and roll suicides that have happened. I mean, you know, Chris Cornell, uh, what's his name? That's funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's all these people that have that have gone. It's Lane Staley and Chris Cornell and Yeah, uh, I mean that wasn't so much a suicide, Lane Staley. I guess it was overdose, right? Which yeah, well, kind of kind of the same, it's I the guess. Same, it's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and so it's sad and it's tragic in that regard when we're thinking of, when we think about those things. Um, 
I mean, the, the, the feel of the song itself, regardless of that connotation, is just so moving anyway. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, the chord progressions, I think, are beautiful on this song as well. Like, it's just, you know, it's not overly flowery, flowery but yeah, there's like, it blooms in a, in a beautiful way, I think, as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the lyrics right now. It's like, don't let the milk floats ride your mind. So natural, religiously unkind. It's like, wow. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. I mean, and then, you know, it goes back to like what I was saying earlier on, I think is, it's like, you know, where was David Bowie in his, in his psyche when he was writing all of this? Like he has to have lived Hmm. these emotions to be able to write these emotions. Like, do you, can you just turn that on? I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. I can't really speak for him. <clears throat> but based on the research that I did, I think that um, much like an actor, he really put himself into the mindset of the character. And that's why he created these characters that he sang through. Um, right. Like, I know that I saw him in an interview say that he, he found it easier to be able to write for a character than for himself. So... That might I mean, be something that itself, to do with it. I was going to say that in itself is pretty telling, though. I think. Well, he was very shy, you yeah, know, yeah. and so like he didn't want to expose himself, but to expose the the kind of secrets and the, the traumas character. of others. Yeah, right. it was, was a lot easier. It was a good way to hide, really. All right, so Bowie retired Ziggy Stardust during a live concert on the third of July, nineteen seventy-three, at London's Hammersmith Odeon in front of thirty-five hundred fans. 3,500, can you imagine that? It's like, really? That, that's all? That's the, That was the peak? <laughs> it's amazing, right? I yeah. would have assumed that there was going to be so many. I thought it was assumed at least 10,000. I least. mean, I think I've actually played there, so that like that makes no sense to me. Yeah, wow. Or, like, okay. Hammersmith. Like, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah that, that, that capacity doesn't sound right, but I guess, hey, that's what, that's what I found. Um, so just before the final song of the concert, uh, which was Rock and Roll Suicide... Bowie announced, uh, of all the shows on this tour, this particular show will remain with us the longest because not only is it the last show of our tour, but it's the last show we'll ever do. Which was true. He retired Ziggy after that night. He never played a Ziggy after that. Well, I did read somewhere um, that it was because he felt like people were, like, you know, confusing him with the character and that, that, that David Bowie was becoming Ziggy and that's not really what he wanted to be in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what did he move on to next? Was it Aladdin? No, uh, after, was after that. Was after Aladdin, oh, yeah. Aladdin Sane was after this. It um, was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, Which is weird. again, is sort of, sort of a character again though, right? And, like, and it's, it's still kind of Ziggy. Way. Yeah. I, I read that it was, uh, it was essentially, you know, Ziggy comes to America, you know. Oh, I mean, most, that's funny. Most of the music was written during the Ziggy tour. And then um, even even the artwork, the cover art, I mean, he still looks like Ziggy. He still has the, the, the Ziggy look to him, you know? And that actually yeah. permeates through the next three records. It permeates through Pinups and Diamond Dogs. So, I don't know. But I mean, so, but he didn't perform as Ziggy, I guess, supposedly after that. Right. Um, so, with this as an example, if we want to avoid the depressing route and uh, take more of a lighthearted <laughs> approach... Uh, this could be <laughs> this could be seen as a as a career suicide. 
with the retiring of, uh, of the Ziggy character. Um, now, you've already kind of touched on this, but I was going to ask you if you could ever see yourself retiring from music. I don't know. I thought I was at one point, you know, when I was like 40, I was like, that's it, I'm done. And then I wasn't done. And that was around the time that I that started playing with Psychic TV. Oh, <laughs> and it was the yeah. best not retiring gift ever. Um, at this point, no, because I don't, um, you know, I might not play out. I might not tour in 10 years, but I don't think that I'll stop writing music because I don't know that my brain will allow that. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an art. I mean, if you're an artist, which you obviously are, um, it's hard to kind of walk away from that and just kind of yeah, stop doing shut, it. Yeah, I don't know how to shut it off. But, you know, what does it mean to not be a musician? Like, I, you know, I'm always going to have a guitar around. I'm always going to pick it up and start playing stuff. Like, you hmm. know, I'm going to be that annoying person, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't usually do it in front of people, but, you know, I'll get home from a night out with friends and I'll grab my guitar and I'll start to play stuff. And, you know, it, that, it makes me happy. It's sort of, it's, it's in, in some ways, I feel like it's my therapy, right? Hmm. You know, I don't have to let everybody else hear it, but I still need to do it for myself. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so if you... If you were, or had to, how would you go out? Like, die? No, retire. <laughs> oh, like, die? <laughs> oh, that's what would have to happen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what, like, what is retiring? I, you know, I've, I've told people in the past, like, how do I, re- everything that I do in my life, except for, you know, I have a part-time job um, from, you know, a couple of days a week, but other than that, everything I do in my life is, is who, it's who I am. Like I, I'm an artist. I make jewelry. Also, I have a, you know, a small jewelry web shop, um, you know, where I make everything with my hands and it's all sterling silver or gold. And, um, you know, so that's my creative artistic side. And then I, I play and I write music. And so what am I going to, like, that is who I am. So how do you retire from that? Mm. You can't, re- you can't retire from who you are. Right. Yeah. Everything I do is a part of who I am. So, yeah, I'm not retiring. Um, I mean, unless I break my hands. God, please, don't ever. Well, I'm never going to break my hands. <laughs> those will heal anyway. I mean, that, that's not a retirement. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I don't, I don't plan on retiring. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been on the road with, with, with Genesis um, for, you know, I don't know, 17 years. Um you know, I've seen other older musicians, people in their 70s and even in their 80s, just still at it, still on, you know, shorter tours, but still out there playing. And, um, you know, and and uh, look at Willie Nelson, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you do? Like, yeah, well, he could retire, but it's, again, it's like, this is what we do, right? This, as musicians, this is what we do. I'm not saying I'm going to, be on a giant tour or anything that I'm certainly still going to pick up and play stuff in my house. Right. Well, so if a, if a tour were uh, proposed to you, would you do it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially with a new record coming out and and all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Depending on, you know, routing and if it makes sense financially. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I would love it. I miss, I actually like being on the road. I'm one of those people who I, I really enjoy playing. And I love, I love that. Like, you know, when you're in a band um, with people and, and you get into the like first week and that second week, you just get so good. Oh, like, yeah. Everybody gets so good. And, you know, by that third week, you guys are a machine and you're unstoppable, right? Like, and, you know, by the fourth week or the fifth week, then you have to come home. <laughs> like, ah, it was so good. Um, but I, you know, I love that. And yeah, it can be tiring and exhausting and, you know, you get cranky and whatever, like it's, you know, there's all the stuff that, you know, people always feel like, oh, it's so glamorous. And you've been this place and that place. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I saw the inside of a dressing room and I sat yeah. and waited for a sound check for three hours today. And the guys were late and the equipment didn't show up. And I was hungry because I hadn't eaten since, you know, the night before, like, you know, right. there's that side of it too. But yeah, anyone, I anyone who says it. it's glamorous has never gone on tour. Well, yeah, but how many people have gone on tour? I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. there are a lot of musicians, but how many people get to do that? Like, you know. Yeah, realistically, yeah, not not many. I don't think even me. Yeah. I'm just limited, very very limited. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing, certainly nothing ever supported. Uh, it was all DIY and stuff like that, and that's kind of the worst, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's just like looking for a floor to sleep on hey anyone got oh, a floor <laughs> done all that too i mean I, you know we we would go out like with with one of my first bands and we were three women in our you know 20s like mm -hmm. strangers like hey you know a floor we can crash on. <laughs> like i think about that now and i'm like we were nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know why i'm not dead really well don't. luckily you're not um yeah but, yeah. uh, you know, just whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, that's for sure. Hmm. So, um, again, about Of Stars. So you have a new record coming out on the 23rd. Yes. Um, so that's, that, that'll be the digital release because the vinyl, we don't know when it's going to show up, but there will be pre-orders, I, I assume, right? Yeah, we're going to do pre-order. I'm actually going to get, that's on my list for this week is to get in touch with the, uh, the, printing press to see when that when I can actually have like you know a image of the packaging so I can get pre-sales going I mean right. it would the goal would have been to have had it you know to be able to do pre-sales like on the 23rd as well um mm -hmm. but yeah right. hopefully we'll have more I'll have more news soon okay I don't have it today <laughs> that's fine fine um so as of right now there are two singles that are available pretty much everywhere on all digital formats yeah so everyone can kind of listen to those and uh and favorite them and kind of like put them into their library so that when it releases they'll get to hear everything so i mean yeah. so what is the plan i mean i know you i know you have a show on the 24th which is essentially yeah. like a listening release right yeah so, well it's you know we're gonna play pony is gonna play solo and i'm gonna do some solo stuff with a couple of guys that i was playing with on i i had a solo release in 2014 um called sticks and bones I heard um it. so i'm gonna do a few songs from that and then pony and i are just gonna do acoustic uh we'll probably play all five songs yeah. from the recording that's what we were rehearsing today it was so weird because we haven't been playing and we've heard them non-acoustically now a lot mm -hmm. so to go back and sort of strip it down again it was it was fun I, you know yeah. that's always a great the greatest form really i mean that's uh, a testament to a good song too, right? Is it that if you can strip it down to its bare essential, 
and have it yeah. still resonate. Yeah. 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 No, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And then uh, we do have another show booked in Brooklyn um, at Pioneer Works, uh, Red Hooks uh, in Red Hook. Um, and that is during the, there's a Genesis Peoridge um, and Lady J. Uh, Briar Peoridge uh, art show called We Are But One. Um, so there's a performance space within the, the gallery and we're going to perform there as well. Um, along with some other members of Psychic TV are going to join us and we'll do a little bit of a tribute to Genesis, which makes sense because yeah. of the situation we're going to be in. So, right, right. Um, and there we'll be performing more as a full band, um, which we haven't really nailed down with the full band. I mean, for that, yes, but like if we were to tour, I, I'm not sure exactly what our full band would be yet. Right. right. So working there, working um, on it. Speaking of which, um, so of stars uh spelled ov stars yeah. is what is the connection of uh, of stars to like or from psychic tv uh because i feel well, like genesis they're... used to use genesis used to use of ov instead of of um so i just thought it was a nod to to jen just a little oh, okay um, yeah like my little tribute i should we were very 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 close friends so it's um the tribute my little private tribute which is now very public <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that's that's beautiful i mean you know being being in a band with anybody is typically well as long as it was a good good relationship in the band uh it's always like a very intimate um relationship to have with somebody you know yeah it's it's the next thing to you know marriage or or something like that i mean oh for sure yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's very, it's very touching. It's very nice to know that you're, uh -huh. you're you're doing that. Thanks. I wanted to let you go. I didn't want to hold you up too long, but um, I just wanted you to know that it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I thank, thank you for you. choosing this record and letting me get into it. Yeah. Thanks. You too. I I actually haven't listened to it fully in a really long time, and it's been really fun for me to do that. Good. Great. I'm glad that you you had some joy out of this. Yeah. It's pretty it's great. A, it's a pretty great listen. I mean, you kind of can't go wrong. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting us do this. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, and so best of luck with the new record. It sounds great from what I've been able to hear so far. And I'm looking forward Thank to you. it coming out. Awesome. Thank you. Vinyl and Vision is a Psychic Static production. Theme song written and performed by Jeff Robbins of 123 Astronaut.